on. Sounds like I'm talking in a, in, a, in, a, in a can or something, but for a little bit there, getting things dialed in. Amen. But we think about the importance of believing, you know. A lot of us, we can go through life, and there's things we, we can pick and choose what we're going to believe in the Bible. But uh, the, the more we get to believe, we need to believe all of it. Amen. Amen. From cover to cover. And uh, we're, so, we're so thankful that we have a Bible. We still have a Bible in the midst of all the different versions that are out there. Praise the Lord, we have a Bible, King James Bible, that we have, we can stand on, we can believe, and, and it's, uh, in a lot of revivals have come from that, have been uh, taken place because they've had that Bible. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of revivals lately. And uh, there's a lot of different versions that are out there. The Bible is, impo- is powerful. It is God's Word. And uh, let me just encourage you that uh, it's important in our lives that we get into the Bible and we read it. And uh, the devil's going to do his best to keep you from reading that Bible. He's going to do his best from keeping you from walking through those doors, okay? And um, you may get blessed. You may God may speak to your heart about something that's not even being preached. That's what God can do. He can preach. He can He can speak to your heart. You may be reading through some scripture, and along with me, and it may it may come to you in a different. God may speak to your heart in a different way. God has the ability, and I've had that happen before. I don't know about you, but it's a blessing. Amen. Turn your Bibles to First Samuel chapter seventeen, if you would tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to talk about how, we're going to talk a little bit about David, King David. Actually, he's not king at this time. He's a young boy. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we think about tonight, is anything too hard for the Lord? There's just nothing that's too hard for the Lord. And uh, the Lord, you know, he proves that over and over in in people's lives. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shekoth, Shiko, uh, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shiko and Azekah in Ephesus, Demim. These are these names that are a little bit troubling here, but we'll get them somehow here. I had them down earlier, but anyways, in verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. Of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. That's some weight there, and he had gray, uh, greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear head weighed six hundred shackles of iron. That's about 18 pounds. That's just the head of this, the, 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 the spear there. And one bearing a shield went before him. In verse 8, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out unto me, or unto them? Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a, Philist- am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let, hi- let him come down to me. If ye be able to fight with me and to kill, then will we, uh, we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be 
our servants and serve us. And the Philistine and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God, for your marvelous word, your great word that you have given us. Lord, we thank you, God, for it. We thank you for the story of David, Lord. We thank you, God, that he showed up, and we thank you, God, that there's a story here of uh, a great story that we need to uh, look at every so often and remind ourselves that you're, you, there's nothing you can't do. Uh, and we just thank you, God, for getting involved in our lives also. We just pray that you bless our time together as we look at this story. And I just pray that you bless it in Jesus' name. These few moments we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we, uh, we see that uh, the Philistine, mighty, uh, Philistine military might, besides their warlike nature, effective political or organization, economic power, the Philistine pa- uh, posed a continual threat to Israel because of their early control of the iron monopoly. Iron came into the Palestine around 1200 B.C. The Philistines knew the secret of smelting it with which evidently got from the Hittites, they were able to import, smelt, and forge iron and make use of various iron military weapons. By enforcing a frigid monopoly over Israel, the Philistines were able to make great strides in military encroachments upon Israel's territory. And so we see the technology that these people have, the Philistines have, and they have the, they, they, they're trying to keep their thumb on them, on Israelites, and uh, they're, they're certainly a threatening group. And Saul is, uh, and they're all, Saul and all those men on, the, on Israel's side, the Jewish side, they were just, they were, they were afraid. They, were, they saw this and they were afraid at uh, this man and what he wanted them to do. And, you know, we see the Philistines running the show. It's not the Israelites that are running the show. He comes out and says, this is what we're doing. Uh, we see that a lot of us as Christians, I know sometimes we let the devil run the show. And we as Christians, we need to understand, we need to stand up, and we need to understand that God is running the show, by the way. Excuse me. Uh, you know, we, we, we like the, the devil to dictate what he's going to do or what's going to happen, but we need to understand that God's in, in control. But, of course, that's not what was happening here. And we see here in 1 Samuel 13, 19 through 22, it says, there's talks about a story here. It says, now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his, sh- his share and his coulter and his axe and, ma- and his mattocks. So we see that uh, there's like a de-weaponizing of the Israelites that had happened. And I know that... Uh, the, the Philistines had been a part of all that. And we see that when uh, this all came about and we see that this war is happening, I know that they had been humiliated. They had been kind of under the thumb of the Philistines and all the battles and different things that they were going on. And they were certainly a pain for the Israelites. Number one, we see when, our, when, when, when others faltered, God gave me a cause. And we see in chapter 17, David was sent by his father, Jesse, with food for his brothers at the Valley of Elah. So we see the fear of the soldiers, and we move to, uh, in our text to verse 22 
of chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper uh, of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. He was excited to see his brethren. He was excited to bring them food and, and go there. And it's so exciting to be able to, when you're a young man, young man, to be able to get out there and see what the big men are doing, amen, and uh, visit and see how things are going. Unfortunately, we see here that uh, he sees what's going on. You see here in verse uh, 23, we see that, and he talked with, their, uh, with them, and behold, there came out the champion, all of a sudden, boom, right on time, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. They all fled. I mean, it's like, whoo, they just scattered. They left. They thought, man, this is intimidating. Look at this guy. This guy's huge. And, uh, and it's incredible. We see the fear of the soldiers. It paralyzes. We see that paral- uh, paralyzes them. Uh, it paralyzes them from looking normal. I mean, they can't even look at things in a normal way. And uh, we see that uh, the devil, a lot of times, he'll put some giants in our path. He'll try to intimidate us as Christians. We need to know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, uh, you know, we don't need to be intimidated. A lot of us are intimidated. And I understand some of us are intimidated about giving out the gospel. Some of us are intimidated about going door to door. Some of us are intimidated about uh, what we do as Christians and standing up and being a Christian. But we understand that when we do that, God gives us the grace. God gives us the uh, ability to do what we need to do. And uh, we live in a day and age where, uh, you know, men need to be men and women need to be women, amen? And there's a, there's a great, God wants to use us all. And he wants us to have his, his will and way in our lives. And so we see a lot of, a lot of guys here, they're, they're just not doing what they, you know, they're, they're signed up in the greatest military of all time. God's army, God's chosen people, and they're acting like this. And I believe that God allows David to see this. And it's troubling to David. So we see that many churches are afraid of the battle today. They're afraid of the battle. They've fallen back. Uh, they're no longer interested in uh, going door to door. They're no longer interested in bus ministries. They're no longer interested in, in having invitations. They're no longer interested in giving out the gospel. Uh, and they've fallen away. They're afraid of the battle. They're afraid of the battle when people, uh, uh, you know, we think about uh, preaching the full counsel of God's word. That could be intimidating. That could be intimidating in this valley. We know how dark and wicked this valley is. And it could be intimidating to talk about certain things. And I praise the Lord for our pastor who talks about the full counsel of God's word. Amen? And when that happens, I believe God is glorified. God uses that. God blesses that. But they are afraid of, see, uh, uh, of a seeming judgmental. Uh, they're afraid of seeming judgmental. So they don't preach. We think about today, the uh, churches are uh, afraid of seeming judgmental. So they don't preach the whole Bible. Afraid of seeming weird. So they don't witness. Afraid of being radical. So they don't give. We don't want to be seen as radical. You know. But I'm telling you, today we need to obey God rather than man. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants us to have a sound mind. I'm telling you, uh, trouble, these troubled uh, people in the army of Israel, they were troubled. They weren't of a sound mind, let me tell you. Uh, they were running around, let me hide, I'm getting out of the way, you first, you know, whatever, look this guy, uh, he's pretty intimidating looking. 
But we see here the rebuke of his brother, David. We see David as he rebukes in verse 28. Let's turn there uh, a little farther forward to verse 28. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said unto why hast thou come down hither? And, when, and with whom hast thou left thy few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I done, uh, now done? Is there not a cause? Now, there's something burned in, within inside David that said, you know what, something's not right here. <laughs> and you know, when something's not right, we need some people to stand up, amen? And say, hey, you know what, that ain't right. And, and what God's people need to do, and sometimes they, we, we, we need to be challenged to stand up and say, hey, that's not right. This is what's right. And, you know, uh, a lot of people, they don't know what's right. Uh, they're doing whatever is right in their own eyes, not according to God's word. They're distant from God's word. There was a time when people grew up in a home where they heard God's word. They had a respect for God's house. They had a respect for uh, the preacher. They had a respect uh, for God's ways, but no longer. We see what's going on today in the world and the cities and all the things that are happening. Uh, this world is falling apart. There's a lot of things happening. If we focus on the news, it doesn't take you long before you're depressed. Uh, you're depressed like these, uh, these, uh, these, the, these people in the army of Israel. Uh, we see uh, that it's overwhelming. Nobody's willing to stand up. Nobody, nobody's willing to do what's right. Uh, nobody's willing to lay down laws. And we're losing our laws. We're losing our rights. But we understand today, we understand that uh, within our own lives, in our own neighborhood, uh, we need to be the people of God. And we need not to have the spirit of fear, but of, a, of power and of love and of sound mind. God wants us to be there. That's God's will for our lives. Even in the midst of the storm, God wants us to be confident in Him. And that takes us to where we need to be confident in Him. We understand that um, we see that rebuke, uh, rebuke here of his brother. You've left your sheep. You've left all that you have. You come down here. And I'm sure he's embarrassed to see his brother come down and see what he's just, just like timing. Here he comes out, Goliath. And he comes out just in time for David to see him say this. And David says, is there not a cause? We think, about, we think about how vision attracts criticism also. Sometimes vision makes people feel as though they are losing control when someone has a vision of what can be done. Certainly, this isn't the way it should be. And something burns within you to make that something needs to go a different direction. So, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? And people are envious. Uh, you know, we see that we, uh, you know, it's not a good thing, but we see that it can, it'll happen for those that have a vision. And we see today we need Christians to have a vision and people being saved. I, I can tell you many times that pastors had, a had someone come up to them in different churches and said, hey, I'd like to start a bus ministry. And they would start a bus ministry, and that bus ministry ended up being two buses. And down the road, that ended up being three or four buses. And down the road, it ended up being children getting saved and so many visitors coming into church on those buses and people getting saved, and along with people coming in their cars and all the different things that have happened when people have a vision. I have a vision about my Sunday school class. I, can, I, I look at, they go over their goal and say, I, we're going to have this goal. I don't know how we're going to fit them in a room, but we're going we're gonna to make it happen. And, and, and I like this vision because uh, people are going to get saved as a result. Amen. People are going to hear the gospel or people are going to come under the, the sound of the gospel. So I like that vision. It may be a little tough, but we'll, get, we'll work around it. The Lord will give us grace. The Lord will make a way. And praise the Lord for those that will say, God will make a way. God will work it out. And we need Christians that will step up and, and, uh, and move forward. And we think about how, uh, <coughs> how today 
We need to have a cause. The David had a cause. In verse 29, we see once again, uh, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? He's trying to let them know, hey, is there not a cause? Did you guys lose it? Did you guys, are you guys really part of this army or whatever, you know, you've signed up for? Are you not, you know, military grade? Is there not a cause? Here we're talking about a, a young man, David. And I'm sure his brothers are going, what are you talking about? Didn't you see this guy? This guy's like uh, 10 times your size. <laughs> He's out there. David being a, a, a little teenager guy, you know. And uh, we see that uh, today it's too many are unmoved and unshocked. It, doesn't, it takes a lot more to shock us today than it used to. We're not shocked. We're just complacent sometimes. We as a church, we as individuals can be complacent. David's cause was patriotic and for the name of the Lord. We think of the fact that his heart was in the right spot. His heart was where, you know, uh, he knew the God that that army represented. And they represented a country that had a God. They were the chosen people. They were somebody because of God, only because of God. We see that, no, God has given me a cause. What are we giving to? How about the giving we give to, in this church? I praise the Lord for strong givers. We give to missions. Is there not a cause? Uh, we can, there's a lot of churches that uh, went without getting a building for years because they gave so much to missions. And you can see the blessing of that. So many people getting saved and, 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 and the leadership of all that. And uh, I'm not saying that's for every church, but I'm saying that is there not a cause? We give the missions because is there not a cause? Our mandate is to get, get the gospel out. And that's not just to huddle in the gospel here, here at home, but it is to get the gospel out all around the world. Amen. We think about the great opportunity we have. And it's only an opportunity when we're willing to step out the door and take advantage of that as a church. So praise the Lord for you that are giving to missions. Is there not a cause? We think about the cause of Christ. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I'm telling you, there's some organization within that verse. There is some organization of all of us standing together with the gospel. Us as a church standing together and huddling together with one spirit, one mind, striving together with the gospel. Amen. Praying to that end. That's why this morning I, I re, you know, kind of put a little reminder out there that the invitation is one of the most important parts of a service. Amen. That that invitation is a very important part. And uh, encouraging us as Christians is to pray during that invitation, rather than thinking, what about that roast that's in my oven, or thinking about the, turning up the thermostat at home, and all the different things we can think about. Invitation. Think about praying about that invitation. Is there not a cause? We think about, uh, we have neighborhoods that are going down the tube. Uh, where I live is Desert Hot Springs. Some people call it Desperate Hot Springs, <laughs> right? Desperados live there, amen? And uh, it has a reputation. There's some other cities in our, in, our, in our valley that have reputations too. But I think Desert Hot Springs people, is it true, John? Is it, you live in Desert Hot Springs. Is it, you know? No, it's not true. Not where I live. But, you know, uh, but we see that, uh, is there not a cause? We think about the cause of preaching. We think about the cause of preaching. Uh, preaching is an important thing in our lives. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. 
Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased, not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. So God uses preaching, amen? Praise the Lord for people that will preach God's word. And maybe you have the ability to preach and God will use you to preach God's word. And God will stir your heart and realize, you'll realize, this is there not a cause. There's people that need to be saved. There's people that need to hear uh, the transforming word of God. We see Psalms 57 verse 7. We think about the cause of hearts for God. Psalms 57 verse 7 says, My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Why can you sing and give praise to the Lord in the way He wants you to? Is because your heart will be fixed. We think about the opportunities we have when our heart is fixed on Him. And how do we get that? Through His Word, through our relationship with Him. We think about the cause of the next generation. Yeah, our next generation. We need to be concerned about tomorrow. We see, uh, I know in the past, some preacher or some deacon, I remember a deacon said, this is the church of tomorrow. And these kids would be coming in, and they would sing in front of everybody. We had them up here before the children's church. And, and I remember that deacon saying that, but pastor said, you know, in reality, really, they're the church of today, too, because they're getting involved now, because they're giving to missions in their Sunday school class, in their church. They're encouraged to do so. And we don't scoff at the little amount they're giving uh, because it's a great thing in the eyes of God. It's no little small thing. No small gift is, we think about the, the widow with the two mites, and she gives that, and Jesus holds back and, and gets a hold of the disciples and say, look at that. And I believe heaven stopped and looked down and see what Jesus is saying and said, hey, look what Jesus is saying. This is important. Widow didn't think she was too important, but she's important on that day in the eyes of God. And when we do things according to what God lays on our heart, it's important to God. We see the next generation, Joshua verse uh, chapter 4 in verse 5, it says, Joshua 4 verse 5, it says, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That would be 12 stones, 12 tribes. We see that in verse 6, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask your, their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Let me encourage you, let me tell you, we need to put some markers in our lives that some of our kids would go, what means these stones? What's going on? What has God done in your life? It should not be a secret what God has done in your life. We shouldn't so soon forget the things that God has done. Those markers are, re uh, is a reminder to us to remind our kids, hey, look what God has done. What a glorious thing that is. And we keep praising God over it, you know, and God gets the glory. We see the importance of not forgetting what God has done, a marker to our children and to our children's children. The big problem with Israel is that they, with the children of Israel, they would forget. In Deuteronomy, it talks about training up our children and then continually going over things and putting His Word everywhere and reminding everybody all the time about how, how good God is. And as long as they did that, they were successful. They were blessed, and we need to be blessed today too. Oh, but I'm too busy with things and all that. I'm, I'm caught up in the world, and uh, there, there are some big things happening in my life. We need to make time. Amen. We need to make time. Amen. 
on some of the most important things. It starts out with salvation, us knowing Christ is our Savior. We see the, the cause of missions. So I talked a little bit about that. We'll just kind of move on, but missions is so important. We get behind missions. It's not, you know, we think about the fact that we're, this, our church has been blessed. We're giving $40,000. We're projected to give $40,000 to missions. Praise the Lord, right? And uh, that's a blessing for our size church. We've moved forward in that, and we keep moving forward that in, in that. But we also need to get behind our missionaries and praying for them. Is it enough for us to give some money that we don't get behind them and pray for them? It's our treasure. We're sending it off. It needs to be important for us to pray for them, too. There's families involved, kids, uh, moms and dads, and they get discouraged. They're living on somewhere else. We need to be praying for them and getting behind them. And we need to be catching up on what's going on in their lives, too. We also see the cause of the Great Commission, soul winning. We think about us as a, a people following up and working with people. And God has blessed our, our, our year to this, this year, a uh, couple of years here. We've had discipleship programs, a lot of them. We've, what a blessing. We've had uh, ladies' programs just recently. What an encouragement and blessing that was. Men's prayer breakfasts. We've had so many things that we've done. It's just a blessing to get together and fellowship around God's Word and, to get, and really get the, get the nutrients and the blessings that God has for us. And we miss out when we don't do those things. We miss out. How many times the devil slows us down? I, I, I'm telling you, uh, when you go out sowing or you go out knocking doors and you dedicate yourself to knock those doors, and maybe you'll knock those doors till noon. I remember years ago, I knocked doors till about 12 o'clock. The people would do, do that usually. And I go, you know what? Let's go till 1 o'clock. Let's go to 1 o'clock. Let's not do 12. Let's do 1 o'clock. You'll be so surprised what happens between 12 and 1, that last hour what God does. I am telling you, I've seen it over and over again. You know, one person after the other, people getting saved, uh, people being challenged. You run into people that really needed you. But you know what? It never happens unless we give a little extra to the Lord. And I, I know you guys give extra in finances, but sometimes we need to get a little extra in giving that gospel out and knocking doors and things like that. And we see the importance of going a little farther. Oh, the devil can count on us going out till noon. Oh, I have it planned up to noon, but when we fool him and go a little farther, <laughs> I'm telling I was like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to go by noon. I've tried to tire you down, slow you down. I've done all I can. Oh, wait, you got God's grace on your life. Oh, man. And you go a little farther. Yeah. Be a little unpredictable. Go a little farther. And, and you know, we're in a battle, I'm telling you. Uh, we need to go a little farther. We need to put a little more into it. And God will bless you for it. God will give you grace in doing so. We see uh, when armor failed, uh, failed, God gave me confidence. And we see that in verse 31, we see that, uh, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no, man, no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. Hey, you're just a kid. And he, he and a man of war from the, his youth, he was a man of war from his, from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smoke and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. 
Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David uh, said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the, out of the hand of his Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put, the helmet, uh, put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with his coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon the, his armor, and he essayed it to go, and he, and he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. You know, God had different plans, Amen. God's going to take care of him. God didn't want him to have anything to say, well, you know, you did it with Saul's armor. Praise the Lord for Saul's armor. No, no, not Saul's armor. God protected David. We see that it failed. Uh, we understand that uh, God gave me confidence. God gave him confidence. And, and we need to understand that we as Christians, we need to have confidence. I remember my grandmother when she was, uh, she was a strong Christian, I'm telling you. She got saved when 1905 and the person that penned Trust and Obey came into her home, and that was a cousin, and, and he led her to the Lord. She got saved when she was five years old. She never got, out, she never got over it after that. She became a, a missionary, going out to the different places uh, and, and leading people to Christ across, uh, in different places. And she loved the Lord, and she was feisty. I mean, she was feisty, and she had just a, a, a real kick for the for serving the lord and she would she never got over it she had a she and she i'm telling you god used her in a mighty way i remember uh she had a bible study she had a women's bible study out of that bible story it, it grew and grew and grew and all of a sudden they had to call a pastor and they started a church and that church grew and grew and grew and it became a big church and they had like 20 25 buses and many people coming to that church all because of a, from a bible study from somebody just doing what God wanted her to do. And what a glorious thing that is. And God can use small things. Amen. God does that over and over again. He uses, he uses uh, people that you wouldn't ever think about. But we understand that David's there. He's not going to take that with him. We see that Romans uh, 5, verse 3 through 4, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope. We understand that today we... Uh, we need, to have conf we need to have confidence, and yeah, in past victories. We understand that he had past victories, and he knew the Lord got him through those things. He'll get him through this thing, too, and he's pointing to the Lord. He remembered what the Lord did in his life, and he says, because he did it, then he'll do it again. And he trusted the Lord, and he put off Saul's armor and says, you know what? Uh, I haven't worked this out with your, your armor. It slowed me down. I'm not going to take this with me. And he did exactly what God wanted to do, and he went out there trusting the Lord, and God did a great thing. We understand that confidence in proven means. We understand that we need to be confident in proven means. We need to be confident in the power of God. It's proven. You look through the Bible, it's a proven thing. In God's word, you look at all the people that trusted God, it's a proven thing. We, we need to trust God totally, not partially. Well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go to plan B. No, God needs to be plan A, plan B, plan C. He needs to be all the plans, amen? God, he needs to be there. We also see his weapons of war in verse 40. 
and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth, uh, five uh, smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in, a, even in script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Man, I'm telling you what, this guy keeps walking. This guy, if you look at the, the, the verbiage of all this, he keeps walking. He picks up these five stones, and he keeps walking. He's not looking at the stones and wondering if the Lord's going to do it today. No, he has confidence. In his relationship, David has full confidence. He's not looking at how big this guy is. He's thinking about how big God is. All along the way, he never loses step. David continues to move forward, and that's his relationship with, Saul, his, with God. And we understand that as he looks at, at Goliath, he, I mean, he just totally, he's moving towards Goliath, and Goliath has no idea what's going to hit him. I mean, God is on David's side. And the Philistine came on, uh, came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the uh, Philistine looked about, he saw David. He disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by, by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowl of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. The warning's gone out. He says, you've defied the living God. Ooh. You know, Goliath's not the only one that hears all this. I believe there's other people that heard this too. <clears throat> and I believe, wow, they're going, man, this is so real. Look at this guy. Can you believe this is happening? <laughs> Can you imagine? I don't care which side you're on. You're going, is this really happening? And yet God is doing it. It's amazing when God gets involved. It's an incredible thing. We think about how uh, we see the, uh, his weapon of war was that, uh, the slingshot, and he kind of come forward. And we see that uh, the criticism of the, uh, of the enemy there. We think about the things that he had. Now, his height, Goliath, was taller than any Israelite. He was nine, about nine feet, six, nine feet six. That's pretty tall. And I don't believe that he was just the skinny guy. One of these basketball players. I think he was all there. I think he was a warrior, by the way. I think he trained. I think he was, I think he, in order to wear the stuff that he had and move around the stuff that he had, I think he had to be pretty, pretty macho. I really believe that. I believe Goliath was all there. I believe he was, he me now and believe me later. All right. So uh, he had a coat of mail, uh, breastplate of scales, a, a fine metal shirt. I believe his shirt might have weighed as much as, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not sure exactly, of course, in shekels, maybe 60, 70, 80 pounds. I don't know. Just his, his, his shirt of mail. And he was ready for, for, for serious stuff. Greaves of brass, leg armor, his spear, the staff of uh, like a weaver's beam, and the spear weighed approximately 18 pounds, as I had said. It was made of iron, one piece that was not made of brass. And so we see all this happen. And uh, what an incredible thing, this intimidation that's happening. And, uh, <clears throat> and so anyways, he took this stone, and David, in verse 49, David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone, uh, stone sunk. 
into his forehead, and he fell upon the face of the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Wow. I mean, you're talking about incredible. We think about the Philistines and, wow, you know, that guy didn't even have a sword in his hand. Did you see what happened? So real, so incredible. God showed up that day. We understand that God can show up in all of our lives. We see that we, if we, we, we need to trust him and we need to follow him. And we see the fact that he had defied the armies of, of God, the living God, uh, the armies of the living God. And we see that the, we understand that today we need to have a conquest of faith. Our faith need to, we need, he wants us to live the abundant life. Well, how does that look? We need to have the abundant life. We need to be conquerors. God wants us to be conquerors. God doesn't want us to uh, cowtail and go to the side. He wants us to move through the problems that God puts before us, head way strong and with a stride. David moved along with those stones. He, if you look at the verbiage of that, he didn't just kind of like, oh, well, I don't know about this. No, he picked up those stones out of the creek. He picked them up. And man, while he's doing it, he's moving along because he has an appointment with that giant. And God is with him, and he knows it. Amen. Let me tell you, let me encourage you here tonight. God is with us. God is with each and every one of you. No, nobody here is uh, more important than any of None of us are more important than each other. You know what I'm saying? We're all very important to God. And God has a will and God has a way for our lives. And we need to understand that if God be with us, who can be against us? And, you know, uh, David understood that. David understood that. And we understand that he didn't dilly-dally around. He got it right up there and, and God brought about the result. We see that, the, we see here, listen to this, the size, of the, the size of a dog in a fight is not as significant as the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah, we see that God's people, I, I, there's too many people today were cowtailing. Cow there's too many of us were kind of like getting, well, we need to be a little fearful. And, you know, uh, society today and the news and all the other things, it's grinding people down. If you watch enough of that, if, you watch, if you're out there in the world long enough, it grinds you down. And it makes you fearful. If you've not, we went through COVID and, and, and there's that fear factor, right? I mean, they, there was a show called Fear Factor for a while. Well, we've lived it. Uh, and they're making people fearful. They're making Christians fearful. They're making particular certain people fearful. But I'm here to tell you that we don't need to be fearful. Amen. We need to trust our God. We need, we need, the world doesn't know the God that we serve. Right. We understand the devil, I don't even think he knows the God we serve. And sometimes I think he's just blinded. We see and we understand that, uh, we understand that David had a great day that day. And it wasn't, he wasn't because he was a big, big man. It wasn't because uh, he was... Uh, he had uh, all the essential armor. It wasn't because he had anything other than God behind him. We think about tonight, let me encourage you, listen, do you have a giant in your life? Do you have some giants in your life? If you don't have some giants in your life, you're going to have some giants in your life. You are. You're going to have some episode at the hospital. You're going to have some episode that will happen in your life. Whatever it might, you're going to have a giant in your life. You know what? You're going to need God. Let me encourage you to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I quoted that verse this morning. I trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Sometimes we just have to have God's direction. And we see David, he has God's direction. He goes out there. I'm telling you, it was God's will for David to go out there and slay that giant. What a day that was. 
And we see that day. We see a day that happens. Let me tell you, let me encourage you, if you have giants in your life, like, trust God with those giants. Amen? Allow God to help you pick out some of those rocks in this dream and, and keep your stride and trust God and, and follow him for that direction. With your heads bowed, eyes closed tonight, you know, let's go ahead and stand.